Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast in the series of Deloitte's 10 Rules of Modern Work. I'm Roxana Perves. I'm going to be one of your hosts for today's podcast. And with me is Indranil Roy. Thank you for having me, Roxana, and excited to discuss the 10 Rules of Modern Work with you. Last time when we were together, we introduced you in our first podcast to what the 10 rules were all about, why we had come up with 10 rules, and we gave you some context around the importance around this concept of 10 rules. And in our last podcast, we actually covered the first three rules, which were the rules around control. So you may or may not remember, so I'll recap for you. We actually have three rules around control. We have three rules around being awesome. We have three rules around how to grow And then there's a golden rule, which we'll get into when we get to our final podcast. So control, the rules around control were all about taking control. So these were focused on rule number one, bring your own motivation. Rule number two was around setting goals for the long and the short horizon, but being mindful of that kind of middle space, which tends to grow anxiety. Rule number three was around shaping your next job while you're doing your current job. So today we're going to talk about three rules that are around being awesome. So before we go into the rules, Indra, can you tell us a little bit about why we centered around this theme of being awesome and why that's important in modern work? Yeah, Ruxana, if you recall in our earlier discussion when we were setting up the concept of modern work, we said that there were three words that keeps coming up when we asked the question, how do you feel at work every day? And these three words were overwhelmed, frustrated and anxious. So to me, the word frustrated is what we are trying to address when we talk about the three rules of awesome. Why do people feel so frustrated in modern work? It is not because they don't have the skills to do the work, they don't have the understanding of what needs to be done, but the reality of modern work, Roxana, is that expectations keep changing. Even if your boss has laid out a certain expectation from a certain initiative project, Every second week or so, we find that stakeholders change their minds. Sometimes stakeholders change altogether, right? Indeed, and we've seen that happen quite a lot, right? Exactly, exactly. So situations change, circumstances change, and all of a sudden, the brief that you thought you were working on, you were really focused on, and you were putting in a lot of hard work around it, has moved around. So that is one reason why people feel frustrated. The second reason that people feel frustrated in modern work is that while you might be doing your part extremely well or your team might be doing their part extremely well, the overall outcome and result of any initiative or any work depends on so many other parties. There are several partners that you're working with, other colleagues from other functions, maybe people from outside of your own institution and firm. So the dependencies are many. So think about it this way that you might be running like, you know, 10 miles an hour, you're pushing 16 hours a day, you're working really, really hard. But for reasons outside of your control, frankly, nothing seems to, the needle doesn't seem to move. That is the feeling that we find a lot of people report when they are struggling and feeling frustrated with modern work. So now I know why we all need to find a way to be awesome, right? So it's really around countering that feeling of frustration that we might be feeling in the workplace, despite doing everything that we know to be good and true, 
right? So let's unpack these rules then. So the first rule that sits underneath um, awesome is around, you know, how you work, right? So this is around working in sprints because things change every two weeks. And, and you just alluded to this in your introduction around awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about this notion of working in sprints? It's a bit of a buzzword right now. We hear this this word working, you know, sprints quite a lot, but can you talk about it in the context of modern work and in the context of an everyday person's work? Yeah, Roxana. So a sprint, uh, the word sprint comes from the world, world of agile, of course. So why should we work in sprints? Very simple, because things change. Things change really fast in modern work. We give ourselves about a week to two weeks. Anything more than two weeks, you are expecting that things will remain constant for a very, very significant amount of time. So you've got to be careful. So the way that we think about working in sprints is that no matter what your team is or what your activity is, set a two-week horizon. Plan for a two-week horizon. Go really detailed into the plan execute that plan and then take pause, reflect, understand what worked, what didn't work and allows you the opportunity to make some changes, realign everybody and to go again after two weeks. Now, if you're able to do that with discipline, with intent, with the right tools and the right rituals, then what you will find is that even though in the bigger picture, a lot of progress has not happened in two weeks towards a massive, very ambitious goal or initiative. What you will find are small wins. Every two weeks, you will find three, four, five things that you can celebrate yourself and as a team. You can feel that you have made some progress. You will feel that you have achieved something. You have done something. You have ticked a few things off a list of things to be done. And that is what is important in modern work. That is very, very important. If you don't have that, you can spend you know, months and months and months running around in the world of lots of different activity without getting a sense that you have closed something, done something, achieved something. So those are the micro wins that happens if you're working in a two week sprint, you celebrate that, you celebrate that with your team, with other stakeholders. And the flip side of that coin, Ruxana, is learning. The things that don't work out in those two weeks, the failures that happened, the things that didn't get done, you can learn from them. And that learning conversation is what we call the feedback loop in modern work. So if we are disciplined and intentional about working in sprints, at the end of those two weeks, you will do what is called a retrospective. That is just a big word to describe sitting down and learning from what happened. And you can turn all the failures and frustrations of those two weeks into real learnings that go into your plan for the next two weeks. That is what it is. It's very simple if you think about it as a concept, but unfortunately, not everybody is applying this to the way they work. But once they start applying it, um, I have done it for myself and we have done it in our team. Once you start applying it, you realize that it makes so much sense in modern work. I think it's fair to say that it is a mindset shift though, right? I mean, I know that as we tried it in our own team together, it took a bit of getting used to, right? Because we're so used to thinking about a longer term goal. But I can also say that it felt much better being able to talk about, you know, getting to 90% of my two week goal than getting to 5% of my annual goal, right? During the pandemic at a time when we all needed, like, I think a lot of reinforcement um, and a lot of energy, 
it was a very energizing conversation to talk about winning the week or winning the next two weeks versus, you know, winning for the rest of the year when we had no idea what the rest of the year was going to look like. Yes, I think the word energy is key when you think about awesome across all of the different rules. Awesome gives you energy to move forward in spite of all the changes and the uncertainties. I think that is that is the key, Oksana. So Indra, let's talk about the second rule that sits under, you know, being awesome, right? Or, or trying to be awesome. And this is one that we've called work out loud. So can you tell us a little bit about this notion of work out loud? I know that we have looked at and we've taken inspiration from work that was done by John Stepper, but maybe you can talk us through, you know, what is this notion of working out loud and what makes up working out loud? So the second reason why people feel so frustrated in the environment of modern work, Ruxana, is this notion of working in hybrid set scenarios where you are, you know, behind a screen sometimes, sometimes you're face to face, most of the times you're staring at a screen and talking to people through a device. And that can feel quite isolating. The way that people have described that is that I feel invisible. I don't think people in my team, in my organization, really know who I am. And I'm not really sure that I can make an impact. I can have an impact on the team and a contribution that is visible, appreciated, and understood by everybody else. It was not the case before the pandemic. The reality was when we were in the office, when you thought about you know, getting things done and feeling awesome, you often had colleagues to talk to face-to-face. And they could tell you how you are doing. They could give you some feedback, some validation. Today, that is missing. So the reason why we have this rule of work anywhere but work out loud is the reality that we are probably going to continue working in some form of hybrid in the very, very long term, right through modern work, right? And if you're going to do that, we might as well embrace it. We might as well figure out how to make the network that we are part of work for us. Now, if we consider ourselves in modern work as a node in a network, we are connected to so many different people. Some of them we may meet face-to-face once in a while. Most of the others we are connecting through various devices. So working out loud is a very simple concept, and it is really about being part of that network and maximizing your impact and the footprint that you have across that network. What does that mean? It means that if Indro is part of a network of, I don't know, 5,000 people and 4,999 people don't really get to see Indro ever in the office, then how can I do something? How can I work in a different way where out of those 4,999, at least 30, 40% of them know who I am, appreciate the work that I do, know the strengths that I have, connect with me when they need some help know that I will be there to help, know that there may be certain expertise that I can provide. All of that, how do I do that in an environment where I'm not in the office and I'm not meeting all those people every day? So that is the notion of working out. When you just listen to kind of how the the rule is described, right? You know, it, it can also maybe feel to those of us who might be introverts that this is not something I can do. I can't work out loud. So can you maybe just share a couple of examples of how you can work out loud while still being very humble in who you are and, you know, even playing to your strengths as an introvert? Oh, that's a great point. So working out loud is not about showing off. 
It is not about screaming from the rooftops that you are the most awesome person to ever walk on the planet. Far from it. That is not even remotely a smart tactic or strategy to work out loud. What is important in working out loud is that you need to let your work speak for itself. You need to let your expertise and your know-how and your knowledge speak for itself. You need to be helpful rather than being boastful, right? You need to be able to connect people when you feel that Jane and Jonathan might have something in common, that you are there to connect them. You need to be there to be able to help people when they need you. You need to be able to differentiate yourself by putting your ideas and thoughts into the network so that people can debate and challenge them. You need to be able to package your work or parts of your work that will be helpful to other people and publish that so that they can find it when they need it. These are things that you can do whether you are an extrovert or an introvert. You can do whether you are you know, a senior expert in an area or simply just starting off. The whole idea is to try to be active in the network so that people can see you, that we are visible, your work is visible, your help is visible, your support is visible, your sharing is visible, your thinking is visible. That is the whole notion of working out loud, not to be confused with flexing or showing off and trying to be just not very pleasant as a colleague. Yeah, and I guess things like social media and, you know, content creation and all, you know, all of these kind of, you know, things that have really been emerging actually make it quite easy to work out loud, you know, if you're willing to kind of experiment with it and take that first step. And we see a lot of that on platforms like LinkedIn and, and even Facebook, where it, it may even not be your own work, but you're curating on behalf of others lots of great ideas and connecting those dots as you go. Yes, Ruxana. So the key is to do it intentionally and to make sure that you understand that it is part of being awesome in modern work. It is not gravy. It is not over the top. It is not something that you do when you have extra time. It is part of being awesome every day in modern work. Okay. So let's talk about the last rule under awesome, right? And this is one of my favorites. I think you already know that. But this rule is about paying attention to your user over your boss. So your user will judge your work, not your boss. Okay, that's the rule. So tell us a bit about this rule around your user, not your boss, will judge your work. So in traditional work, Roxana, we worked in a hierarchy of authority. Of course, we were serving some user or the other, but there was a clear individual who we could look at as a boss and the boss would decide what is the work that we should be doing and rate the quality of the work, and that is it. In modern work, however, we have many bosses. We know this to be true, right? Every project, every initiative that we're working on, there may be three, four, five different stakeholders. There are tens, hundreds, sometimes thousands of users that we are serving. We sometimes might lose our orientation of what is the definition of awesome, because different stakeholders might define what good looks like, what awesome looks like in the work that I'm doing in different ways. And that is another reason why in modern work, very often practitioners feel frustrated. And then they turn around and say, you know what? I have so many different stakeholders. They should sit down and decide what they actually want. Well, unfortunately, that's never going to happen. In modern work, therefore, we need a North Star to tell us what is good what is awesome? What is real? What does good look like? 
on an absolute basis, not on the basis of what so-and-so said or somebody else said. And that North Star comes from user orientation. So doesn't matter if we are on the front end in designing a product for a end user, or we may be in you know, procurement helping an internal function procure a service. You always have a user or multiple users. So the whole idea is to keep your North Star, a definition of what good looks like, what awesome looks like on the user. Don't lose that focus. Understand the user, sit down with the user, figure out what is important to them and make sure that your work is aligned and prioritized with what is important to the user. And perhaps most importantly, ask the user from periodically from time to time, did you really enjoy what I delivered to you? Did that serve your purpose? Would you utilize my services and my expertise again? Would you recommend my services and expertise to other people that you know? These are very simple questions. So simple, in fact, that every Uber driver asks some version of that question on the app. And we are used to replying to that every time we take a ride. But in modern work, we have to understand that that is what it means to be in a marketplace of skills, that your user orientation needs to be on hyperdrive. You need to understand that if consistently every user is saying, Ruxana is awesome for me and for my users and stakeholders, over time, your boss will catch up with that. That is the key. Your boss is still important. Your boss will obviously have a view on how you are doing. But if your users are constantly, continuously, visibly, clearly saying that you are being awesome every day, then sooner or later, your boss will say, yes, you know what? They're right. But if the reverse is true, if your boss thinks that you're doing incredibly well, however, when you talk to your users, you realize that they're not particularly happy. They're not particularly excited. They don't particularly feel that you are doing an awesome job. Then you need to be careful. That is the message that the reason why in modern work you are sometimes feeling frustrated is that you probably don't know the North Star of awesome. Different stakeholders, different bosses are giving you different ideas, pushing you in different directions. Have a hold on the North Star, and it comes from your orientation around users, the questions you ask them, and the answers they give. So, Indo, I have to ask, right? I mean, this doesn't mean that you should be ignoring your boss. No, right? no. So, how how do you balance that? I mean, maybe say a little bit about how do you balance the you know, the, the user orientation with the direction that you might be getting from, from your boss, right? How do you balance that? Because there is this kind of meet in the middle place, right? Or maybe there's a journey that you need to go to kind of bring those two things together. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, the key word is evidence, right? The key word is evidence. The reason why there may be sometimes some misalignment between your user orientation and what you're hearing from users and what your boss feels is the definition of awesome is because it becomes subjective, right? The way to deal with that, the way to bring everything into alignment in your life and be clear on awesome as defined by the user is to create more and more evidence. What does that mean? It means spend more time with the user, understand what they're looking for, document that, put it in the form of evidence. Every time you're doing work, get microfeedback from the user, maybe put up a rating scale, have a score, things like that. Simple things that you can do 
without a lot of effort that creates a continuous stream of evidence. The more you are having conversations with your boss on real evidence to say, here's what the user and users are uh, responding to, reacting to, this is what they like, this is what they don't like, and this is what they feel about my services and my expertise, that is when you will have much, much better alignment and you are not going to be worried about, you know, am I serving my boss or am I serving my user? In the ideal world, it's one and the same thing, right? So let's focus on evidence and creating creation and curation of that evidence is on us, right? As individual practitioners or team leaders, we can create our own set of data and evidence by putting in the hard work of listening to users and bringing that into every discussion we have with our boss on our performance and on being awesome. Brilliant, thank you. So we've covered now the three rules of awesome. So working in sprints because things change every couple of weeks. We've talked about working out loud because especially during the pandemic, many people have felt incredibly invisible. But this is going to continue, right? As we talked about the fact that, you know, some version of hybrid is going to be pervasive, right? As we go forward, right? So working out loud, figuring out how you can ensure that your work is being seen and recognized. And then we also talked about, you know, this, this last rule around awesome, which is around your users will judge your work, not your boss. So in summary, essentially the rules of awesome are all about addressing this notion of frustration, right? That we have seen and we have heard from, you know, a lot of both employees and leaders as we've been, you know, having these conversations with them over time. So with that, we're going to wrap up today's podcast. So, so far in our series, we've talked about the three rules of control and we've talked about the three rules of awesome. Stay with us for the next podcast, which will talk about the three rules of growth and where we'll also reveal to you the final golden rule. So thanks, Indra. Thanks for joining us today. Look forward to um, being with all of you again in our next series. Thank you, Rufsana, and thanks everybody for listening in.